Hello, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm doing this in the morning and there's a lot of noise on the road. I can hear people fucking... F- I don't know what it is. It sounds like language has devolved into just grunts and noises. And especially uh, when I'm sort of observing it from where I am sitting right now, I can hear on the road. I don't know what's going on with human beings because it's just like all the progress we made over thousands of years is just suddenly going overnight um, and it's it's evident. I, I'm not saying this is specific to India, but anywhere you go, it's just more of um, these unevolved. I don't know if you can hear it, but unevolved human things that are coming to the forefront. You know, sometimes these, you know, they say when people get older and they start, you know, getting onset of dementia or they have certain things which they display in their old age. It's these traits that are the strongest from their childhood, and some people are happier, some people are you know, fighting with everyone around them, their caregivers. Some people are um, grumpy. Some people are lighthearted. I feel just like that. There's a sense of humanity kind of just picking up these basic traits, which is this idea of kindness, the idea of kind of unity, the idea of compassion, consideration, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I, I call it the, the, the Jay Shetty lubrication, which he kind of, you know, slaps on his thing and just goes, oh yeah, eight rules for jizzing, you know, whatever. Uh, he's a good guy, I heard. I don't know. But... Um, those kind of points that, you know, everyone is like compassion, self, radical self-acceptance, all these things. I, I think they're good. You know, if you do, do it, if you do what you do it, and I'm not saying right or wrong, but it's, it's even too much of that is a, is a bit, is a hard pill to swallow, right? Like, oh my God, I just got back from a retreat. Everything just seems so loving. Everything just seems so lively and everything. The world has a different hue to it. I mean, fuck you. Uh, but this kind of other thing, which is just this, uh, like the, the 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 rage, the greed, the, the the feeding frenzy. Like people just, you know, I don't even think we need to kind of expect a certain kind of etiquette from people anymore if they fit to a certain category. Just like how we, you know, say that if there are people who go to retreats, they're at a certain way. We stereotype them, right? There, we we say hippies, or we say they wear kadi, or they wear hemp, or whatever the material that is. Uh, that is woke with these groups. Um, just like that, I feel we need to just make people into groups and let them do their shit in that. Like if you belong to a certain uh, spiritual awakening group, or you believe to a belong, or you believe into a certain philosophy, then you kind of are allowed or not allowed to do certain things. Like you can wear a certain set of clothing, you can eat a certain kind of food and no one will judge you because you know what, you belong to that group. I, and you, if, you, if, you, if you are these predominantly uh, shoving food, food into your face, fighting and kind of greedy bastards, then I, I think just do away with cutlery. When, they, when these people are allowed in certain things like buffets, fuck it. Just, I think this will be fun. Um, it starts... It's a fun idea like for a show. It starts as a normal buffet on a Sunday afternoon. It's a brunch that each person pays for, right? Oh, wow. Welcome to, sir. Welcome to this place. We have a 12 to 4 o'clock. And we guess what? We have a kid's menu. Fucking brilliant. And guess what? Today, it's only, it's only whatever the currency may be. One rupee, one dollar, one pound, one euro. Oh, wow. It's fucking, we struck gold, baby. We struck gold. The husband, wife, shit, we should have made more kids. And one rupee per person, one dollar. No, 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 for the whole family. Oh, fuck. Brilliant. Oh. And guess what? If you're lucky, we give you a refund. Oh, that's just, they just, they just, oh, the, the husband's just like, oh, he's, he's like gone to a pot and he's taking a dump. He's just so excited. And then they walk into the, the buffet hall. I call it the arena. And there's just one dish. And everyone is competing from that dish. There's no forks, there's no spoons, there's no knives, there's no plates. Everyone from the father, wife, kid to every other family there. Because now fucking half the city's landed up there. Because they all call you, dude, one rupee, man, can't believe one dollar, you can't believe it. Oh my God, I mean, might get a refund. I'm just going to multiple accents because this is crazy around the world. We show multiple screens simultaneously. Oh, this is great. And then, ting, 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 the bell rings. Ooh, wouldn't that just be delectably delightful? And then... You have a one-way, you have a screen or a mirror. And the other side, you have the people who get full on spiritual seeking, on spiritual ideas, on spiritual discussions. And they are sitting across the screen judging these people for being materially attached to their mortal existence and not being able to transcend the idea of living beyond what this life has to offer and seek 
into the universe the power that it holds to be one with the consciousness, the creator, the energy that thrives within all of us. Oh, and then what we should do? We should tell these guys after they feed and the slaughter and the thing is over that you know what? If only you looked across the screen, the people there, the spiritually enriched, have all the food that they want, but they can't. They don't want to eat it because they are denying themselves the material satisfaction that is the shackles to their existence and preventing their soul from exploring the universe and what lies beyond. I think this would be a fun show. Um, I don't know. But I think it'll be... Oh, this is a good name if you would like video games. One of the, I, I, I never caught on to video games. I think maybe played three in my own life. I think what's called Dangerous Dave on a PC. I played, attempted to play Mortal Kombat and Streets of Rage on a Sega, which my friend owned. And I played a little bit of Halo on Xbox when I was at university. And the biggest thing I fucking did was once I was stoned and I mistook the heater in his room for the Xbox and I was never, never allowed to live it down. They're like, oh my God, this, this, oh my God, mate, this Indian guy taught the fucking heaters, the Xbox. <laughs> yeah, piss off. Yeah, I think the show can be called Immortal Combat. How do you think that? Hey, that's a good one. Hey, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Hey. You know the worst is sometimes I hit the entire, uh, I record, I record, and then I go back to the recording and it's just glitched over. It's so annoying. I hope it hasn't happened with this one because I think this concept, Netflix, if you're listening, you bitches, don't, don't have to worry about my stand-up. You know what? That's for better people. But this idea, I think, will transform it. You know, Oppenheimer can go fuck himself. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I th- there's a lot of talk about this Barbie movie, right? Barbie. Oh, can your I, I I I think the problem is you allow sociologists to make movies. This is what happens. Fucking uh, not Oppenheim. I haven't watched it, but oh, the subplot, the layers, the inclusions and the exclusions and the narrative. Like fuck, what happened to Barbie having nice tits and just people enjoying that? And Ken, fuck. And I'm brown and I'm visually impaired and I'm I'm a, I'm a sociologist, woke person's wet dream. But I'm telling you, fuck this. You need to have entertainment for entertainment value. Comedians don't have to tell messages unless they want to. And jokes are fucking jokes. And there I said it. Anyhow, before uh, this podcast gets cancelled, before it even gets a... What do you, what's the word for opposite of cancelled? commissioned let me talk about today's guest because beverly willett is my guest today and she's the author of the book disassembly i can never say that word disassembly required it's a story of her life about how she restarted and had to basically restart after her marriage ended she moved away from everything she knew from the job she knew from the home she loved from the family that she really really tried hard to save from but she lost the the, the 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 marriage ended she moved away to another city started from scratch and rebuilt her life and to do that she had to understand the process of disassembling who she was what made her what well what made her tick what she wanted out of life and so much more and she joined me today on the episode to talk about that journey talk about the book and talk about the process of disassem- disassembling fuck sake say it right sorry disassembling and how what that involves and how that is transformational and how she applied that to her life well beverly if you're listening i really appreciate you joining me and to all of you listening let me know what you think about my netflix idea or whichever ott platform is smart enough futuristic enough and accepting enough to think of immortal combat fight Well, as always, I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Till next week, goodbye, God bless, take care of yourself, my friend. Cheers. Beverly Willett, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. I'm, Although it's um, a little early for me, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, I, I was going to thank you for that because uh, with these time zones, it's one of us on the receiving end, right? And sometimes I've done it at 12 in the morning and I'm just like, this is not, 
um, you know, this is not me kind of being attentive, you know, and I appreciate it. Like some people are morning people, some people are night people, but I try to get a time which works for both of us. So I appreciate it's you fine. doing this. And so, yeah, you, you were saying, so you, you're right now in Savannah, Georgia, and it's, it's um, you know, and that's the thing I'm not receiving. And again, usually I'm the one sitting in a hot room because it's summer and you can't put on the fan or the air, air conditioning because it just sort of interferes with the sound. But it seems that you're on that end today. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the AC upstairs went out, so I'm waiting for the repairman. <laughs> but I don't think he's going to come during the, during the podcast, so that's fine. soon. But, ah! <laughs> we can get him on here as well. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, lovely. So, so, you know, there's there's such a story that you've lived through and the story that you share in your book, which we'll, of course, talk about in a, in a while. But um, I, I, I'm interested by this word you use, which is dissembling, disassembling, sorry. So could you maybe talk about how you use this word to describe your experiences or more importantly, your, your um, willingness to shed that past and the willingness to look at a future and um, maybe talk about the word and the concept of disassembling in that in that sense. Because for me, when I hear of disassembling, it, you know, and maybe it's conditioning. Many people might think disassembling is a negative thing where you have to fall apart, you have to right. bring it down, you have to tear it apart. But for me, when you say disassemb- disassembling, I think of the word unlearning because I feel that resonates with me when you say this. So could you talk about it, please? Sure. Um and I, it wasn't something that came to me um, right away when I was going through this process. And I'll just, for your listeners, I'll just give you a, a, a two-minute, you know, uh, my background. Um, I really achieved what's called the American dream. So here it is, Independence Day. You know, I achieved the American dream. First in my family to go to college, became a lawyer, met the man of my dreams, the two kids, the career, the money, the house, you know, um, all of that. And then it came tumbling down in one moment um, when I found out that my ex was having an affair. He sued me for divorce. I wanted to save my marriage. That wasn't possible. Um, and then over the course, you know, of, of these years, you know, I really hadn't been dealing with my grief of the loss of all of this. And, and there were no good jobs. So my career kind of tanked. And then I eventually had to sell my house. And that seemed like that was like the capstone of our dream. I mean, that was like the home, you know, it wasn't just a house. It was our home. It was where we had raised our children. There was so much, so much meaning attached to it. And all the things in our home that we'd acquired over a lifetime together, so many stories. And then the kids went off to college. And I just, I felt like, whoa, this is going to be the last thing that's going to completely take me down, you know, Mm. selling this. I'm gone. I'm done. I've had enough. Um, And it wound up being the thing that totally freed me and allowed me to start my life over again, allowed me to heal. And so when I talk, so that's sort of the background to disassembly. Mm -hmm. And, and, And what I realized is that, you know, I had a friend who came over to help and she's like, just, just get rid of stuff, get rid of stuff. And in somewhere in my brain, I knew that that was my intuition told me no no you need to make peace with everything you need to you need to go through and sort of have a life review of everything in your life every every piece of everything Um, and so um, what I understood in this whole process of doing that is that I understood in order to start over, I had to grieve, but I sort of had to take apart everything that I had constructed over that, you know, that that 20 years that we had been together. And then there was another, oh, I've, after the divorce was final, there was like another five or six, seven years. I can't even remember the numbers anymore. They add up. Right. Um because in order to sort of find myself again, you know, in, in all of this process, you know, I had been a, I'd been a mom, I'd been a lawyer, I'd been a wife, um, all of these things, uh, I would always be a mom, but the kids didn't need me every day. They were, they were going off into their own worlds. Um, I wasn't a lawyer anymore. I wasn't a wife anymore. And it was like, well, who, who am I? My friends said, you can reclaim your life. Well, in order to reclaim my life and find out, well, who had, who was I before all of that stuff kind of clouded my life? And I was basically just running on a treadmill in motion to just raise the kids and, and pay the bills. Um, I had to take apart everything. 
that I had constructed in my life. And um, so that's where the disassembly comes comes into play. And in the process of doing that, I mean, I, it started out basically being decluttering. You know, this is mm. buzzword we have of decluttering. It started out being decluttering, you know, making space so I could show the house and make it look good. Um, but what I sort of understood as I was doing this process is that I was taking, I was shedding the things in my life and all the layers and um, so that I could sort of see myself and see who I was um, with all of, without all of that. And then once I had done that, I could sort of say, well, here is who I am. And then it just sort of totally, totally freed me. And to the point where, um, whenever I add something else back in, I'm really careful about, Ooh, do I really want to do that? Mm. Because I don't want to go back to that, that heaviness. It was the, the, the feeling was a real, what I realized is that I, I felt so heavy. I felt so burdened and it wasn't just by stuff. I mean, stuff did burden me, the, the, the acquisition of stuff, but it was also the acquisition of all of these things that I put such stock into that I thought would last forever. Um, and I had such attachment to that to those dreams, to to all those things that were supposed to make me happy and fulfilled and ride off into the sunset, you know, and, mm. and nothing would ever be wrong again. So I hope that that kind of um, tells you what I meant by disassembling. And I think yeah. that, that that was required, as I said. So that's the second that's the second um, title in my book, Disassembly Required. I yeah. think that was necessary. That whole process was necessary in order for me to grieve finally and then to to heal and, and build again. You know, I, I definitely, um, it's, it's so difficult to disassemble what you put together. Uh, and I think it's truly remarkable to come out on the other side and hear what you've just said. But you're not alone when it comes to what you did, right? Putting those, putting stock or putting all those values into those things that people, maybe society at large over time told us to do. And I see that trend here. And I'm sure you see that trend in America as well. It's called the American dream. It's called just the capitalistic dream, right? Of checking all those boxes you know, and, and, and doing those various things. I mean, of course, there is a lot of benefit from getting an education, not a benefit from having a job, no doubt about it. But once you go beyond that, then it becomes a role that you get attached to. And that attachment, as a result, gives you worth in people's eyes. And in many cases, I feel that worth is something which is so sort of integral to your being that when that role goes away, when you get fired or when you get divorced or when right. whatever it may be, when, and also say as a parent, right, your, your children's performance or how they turn out to be as young adults is that role and the outcome of that role. So you kind of, I'm not saying you, but generally parents also want that their kids to succeed because it reflects on them. And when the kids do something different, it seems like they have failed as parents, which is absolute rubbish, right? Because the bond you have as a parent and a child is irrespective of what that child turns out to be. I know it's easier said than done, but I feel that that's so, that's why it's so nice to hear what you put yourself. I mean, it was on the cards you were dealt, but the, the decision you took to kind of go through that process of disassembling and kind of breaking it down, saying, this is what I don't want. This is what I want, what I want to reintroduce. This is what I want to do with my life. It's in hindsight. Yeah, of course, it's nice to talk about, but the process of doing it is, is really, really hard. So a lot of people aren't able to do it because they are just chasing that dream, the bigger house, the better job, the, the, you know, the partner or whatever it may be, right? I don't know how those things pan out, but none of this has, you know, especially in today's day and age, I mean, I don't have a question here, but I'm just making an observation. It seems more and more that this dream isn't what it's made out to be. And the and, and, and the, the at the end of the road, a lot of people are finding themselves disappointed, like going, I did everything I was told to. I, I kind of have gone down the path that I was promised will give me fulfillment, success, purpose, happiness, or whatever the, the things I want. But it clearly seems more and more lacking, right? Well, yeah, and I just wrote down two words because there's there's so much there and so much great stuff to talk about. Um, so a, a couple of points. Um, you know, I think 
I think that 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 the concept of the American dream has changed. And so I don't think it's a it's a bad thing and a negative thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. like like you just said, education and, you know, but but it's but it's almost like. Um, at least in my view, that we've put more focus on the acquisitive nature of it. Um, so that, you know, that keeping up with the Joneses and look how good, you know, I've got it, the bigger house and the bigger car and whatever, rather than the things that make it up. And, and I, so I, so I look at my parents, you know, and I, here in this country so much, wow, you just want to go back to the 1950s and whatever, you know. Well, no, but but that doesn't mean that there weren't great things because I'm the product of, of my parents who brought me up in, you know, in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. So, and for them, the American dream was about, um, like my father, you know, um, he, he only had like a year of college. My mom never had any college, but they were wonderful people. And so their, their, their American dream was their children, the value of the home. You know, we don't, I mean, you just think about all these articles about, you know, the, the family dinners have gone by the wayside. Yeah. So part of that American dream is spending time with the family, making the family and the home the center of your life, not just acquiring the house, acquiring the stuff, having the two kids so you look great because you've got the two kids or the three kids or whatever it is. Mm. It, it's the value of what those things mean and yeah. what the home means and the bonds that those are forged and the, and then the career becomes partly about hard work it becomes about providing and feeling that pride and providing for your family and mm. and my and my family that you know that didn't didn't do things they didn't go on the vacations they could have to put me through college so i think that that's not a it's not a bad thing i think we've just started to um not realize what what that really means what yeah. what what is the american dream what is what does it really mean and, and we and we want things without enough hard work we don't believe in in i don't think we don't believe in hard work as much as we used to we don't believe in responsibility um so i i think i think we've had a shift because we just put more value in, in things and the way we look and the other thing um related to what you were saying is that we also part of the problem too when you said you know these these things happen we lose is that we're not taught <laughs> um one of the basic things about life and that life is change yeah. we're just not taught that i mean we know it <laughs> i mean we can't go through a moment you know i woke up and i'm like what's going on the heat's not off i've got a great ac system yeah. i mean the the ac is off um it's like moment by moment, you know, we expect we're going to wake up and, you know, it's going to be cool and we're not going to have to deal with the AC on July 4th and getting a repairman here. But that is actually um, more common. The change and the hardships and the things that just keep peppering us, that's the rule of life. We think that that's the exception. Um, and so we fight against that all the time so that there's change and we resist the change that causes stress because we resist the change. We think, oh, I've got to fix this. So we just become, and I know that this is true of, of myself. I felt like I was just a fixer. All I was doing was just fixing things and fixing things. I still had to do them. Okay. But it was the resistance that I had and the feeling of why is this happening again? Well, why? Because it's the nature of life and this is what happens. And so when I, when I let go and still, you know, it can be a hassle, but when I let go of being so attached to things staying the same and staying as if, um, you know, I've constructed them, um, it, 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 allows you a more freedom more more ability to cope i think it brings joy back into your life you're not so feeling like you're just riding against the tide all the time so i think that's another thing that's happened in our society we just have this idea that we can just fix everything with money or 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 whatever it is 
and we don't accept it. We don't accept change. And that doesn't mean like I tried to save my marriage. Yes, I, I wanted to save my marriage. I still loved my ex. I think that our family suffered because of this divorce. Um, uh, so it doesn't mean that you don't try and fix the things um, that can be fixed and try and repair things. Not at all. But eventually, I think you have to you have to accept things. And we don't have that. We don't have that mindset um, a lot in our country uh, of acceptance. Yeah. Now I think um, you might, you know, it might you might be sp- speaking specifically about the society in America, but there are sort of ripples of that being felt across the world because everyone, till recently, maybe even till presently, looked to America um, for trends, right? And, you know, of course, there are so many values, as you mentioned. And oh, before I forget, I forgot to wish you happy Independence Day. Um, I was, oh, thank you. Yeah. Now, I was just thinking, um, because when uh, growing up, right, it was, you know, the pop culture that came, uh, came east from, from, the, from the US, right? Whether it was shows like Friends or Fraser or, um, you know, MASH and all these things, which were great, great entertainment. But even other things which were go abroad to get an education. Once you go to America, you can do whatever it takes to be whoever you want to be. And I see a lot of people living that dream, right? But as you said, those, there's nothing wrong with those things, nothing wrong having a good job. There's nothing wrong spending the money the way you want it to. But I feel what you get out of it, the emotional fulfillment, right? Enjoying what you own, enjoying that home for what it is, which is a place for families to be together, to eat together, to, to, to talk. None of, I think those things are slowly not there because sometimes there are children now, young adults who are at home feeling so alone because they can't communicate with their parents or there are parents who can't communicate with each other because of whatever reason, right? Maybe the internet, maybe social media, people feel more connected to someone online than someone in the, in the, in, in the sofa next to them. So there's nothing wrong with having a lovely home. There's nothing wrong with having, um, exactly. material things to enjoy. But I feel, um, in a context which is very different yet similar in some ways is India doesn't have as much wealth for everyone. And of course, there are disparities in America as well. But I see this in the middle and upper middle class and even in the, 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 the people who have money is that the, the, the ability to enjoy it, uh, enjoy the money you have, enjoy the job you have, enjoy the home you've made with yourself. And once that goes and it just becomes the label, right? The labels that you can show off to whoever chooses to look. And then when that becomes the case, no one's going to be happy for you. And you're always going to feel threatened and insecure because you're like, wait a second, I expect that person to go, wow, you amazing job. You're pulling in so much money. But when you don't get that, you're like, oh, maybe there's someone who has more than me. There's someone who has a bigger house, someone who has a happier marriage. And then the conversation gets absolutely lost because then you're not living your life for yourself or for your family or to enjoy and treasure those moments. But it becomes more of a, hey, you know what? Only if I get that next promotion or I get that bigger job, I get that huge package, will I then be recognized and validated by someone else who that person has his own or her own journey going on, you know? And right. um, that's the thing which we're seeing now. I mean, we're seeing more divorce rates in India. We're seeing more dysfunctional families. We're seeing children feeling isolated from their parents. We're seeing kids uh, on a higher suicide rate. We're seeing kids with more anxiety, depression. And... Um, I'm saying even though India is so different and in many ways we have a huge population that struggles with making ends meet on a daily basis, the population that does have the money is seeing the same symptoms of the problems that are happening in the US. So clearly it's not the American dream or what that represents, but it is the the, the lack of meaning for those dreams, right? It's just becoming, um, you know, boxes to tick without appreciating what those boxes can actually do for you, which is enjoying the work, hard work, appreciation of what you can do for yourself. And that's sad. And I think that's a little um, disconcerting going forward because it's happening um, in one country and it's going to happen on a larger scale in the country I live in. And more and more people are like, we need more investment. India needs to grow rapidly. We need to become a superpower. But without appreciating those emotions, those values, and if this is the only message being driven, then we're heading for a crisis of a huge number of people who are going to be absolutely dissatisfied with what they have because they're not doing it because they want to, but they're doing it to impress someone who doesn't really care. Well, yeah, I mean, and you you said a lot there, and and I and I think you're, I mean, I think you're right about you know we can talk about globalization and exporting of all American stuff, and I mean, I you know I just came back from Poland and and it was just wonderful, and then I you know came back to the first American airport and it was just like all McDonald's and you know all these 
It was just like, oh, I don't want to see all these things that everybody thinks are great, you know, because yeah. I just had wonderful food and now I'm back to like, I'm sorry, the garbage. Yeah. Um, and um, so, so yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I think that, so, I mean, you know, we can really talk, get into philosophical stuff here and, and, and about that we've lost this, 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 so, you know, again, we can put this label of happiness, you know, it's this, it's this, it's this constant journey after happiness and finding happiness. Cause that's really, that's really what it is because I believe that we are all the same inside and we all want to be happy. I mean, I think that's, that's the, I think that can make that universal statement. We yeah. all want to be happy. And so all of these things that you're talking about are a means of, of trying to be happy, trying to, because that's what we all want. We all want fulfillment. We all want to be happiness, happy. So we've 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 missed our way in terms of what that happiness is. And I'm you know I can I can I'm Catholic. I could get into talking about religion because I have my my personal view of 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 happiness in terms of my faith. But I think bottom line, it comes to if there's if there's a universal thread to to that's beyond religion. It's it's inner peace. It's finding that inner peace. And so finding you know going to this trap and that trap and whatever and we just keep we keep recycling basically through the same kind of things that we do the acquisitiveness or or whatever we try this we you know we're not happy with that partner well it's got to be that partner it can't be something i'm doing or the way that i'm going about it because it can't be me it's so we look for things outside yeah. What's inside us. Yeah. And that's really what the problem is, is that we're looking outside ourselves for things to solve our own discontent and unhappiness inside. And that's really, I believe, what's happening. Um, and I mean, just like, and I'll, I'll, I'll just talking about it, you know, the culture in India, and I can see that, but I, you know, I just got back from Poland and I'm sure that there are, there are parts of, of this happening in Poland too, but I didn't see it. I didn't feel it. I was like, oh gosh, I I could live here. (laughs) I mean, it was just, it was, it was wonderful. I just felt like, you know, and, and, and we learned that, you know, um, you know, certainly there are some people that are well, well off, but we learned that most people like in the cities live in like two rooms with their families, you know, mm. um, two rooms, you know, um, and, and, and these people really didn't seem unhappy. I was, we were, we were at this um, monastery, which is the, which is the, the famous pilgrimage site in Poland for the, where the Black Madonna is. Mm-hmm. And so we went there one night because apparently at the end of the day, the monastery, they put a veil over her and then they shut the monastery for the night. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we thought we were going to see this and we're there for like an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. Everyone's singing the rosary. They're singing. I mean, Hundreds and hundreds of people have filled this place. And we finally left because we, we had to move on with the tour the next day and, and whatever. And we were exhausted. What we, what we learned is this, this was an all night vigil. So occasionally there are these all night vigils where people just sing and praise their hearts out. And it was to be in this place was amazing to see these people. It just, just it just so um you know it exists and it just felt like you know there are pockets i felt like i just want to take this little pocket back with mm-hmm. me yeah. um to the us i want people to experience things um you know another another thing this is going off into a tangent but i think that's the way your show is yeah absolutely is that <laughs> is that i go on retreats uh, i started going on silent retreats Mm-hmm. Oof, 15 years ago and i try and go on at least one a year is this sort of I the vipassana like, kind of um, retreat well it's not a vipassana and I, okay. I really would like to do a vipassana um mm-hmm. it started out being buddhist and i mm-hmm. and i have i have a background where i studied buddhism for like a decade and a half okay. so a lot of my you know 
the things that I talk about are informed by the things like attachment that I learned studying Buddhism. So it started out being that. And then I started going to Catholic monasteries and right. doing silent retreats, basically to just get away from the noise. Now, I know I can get away from the noise in my own dining room here. Yeah. Um, I know that intellectually, but sometimes I really feel like I have to get away from the computer and the phone and the, and then just go out into the woods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really. And hear myself think. And I think that we don't hear ourselves think. And we need to be able to hear ourselves think because so much is coming at us. I mean, whether it's social media, whatever. And it takes a lot of determination um, to shut it off. To, because it just feels like it's just constantly, I mean, I go pump gas and I'm, I'm pumping gas and there's a commercial there on the screen while I'm pumping gas. I don't yeah. want to hear that. I don't want to see that, you know, so I put the thing on and then I go, I go stand away because, but we are assaulted 24 seven by this mm. stuff. Um, and it's, it's, it's wrong. I ought to, there ought to be a button where I can say, no, I don't want this. So I go on silent retreats just because um, I, I need to check back in with myself. I have to hear myself think. I want to read a good philosophical or religious text. I want to hear what God is maybe saying to me because yeah. I can't hear. Um, so I think that's I think that's part of the the problem too is that we just we don't have a way of of, of finding that inner peace and that silence within ourselves um, and listening. Because that tells us so much. It's so rich. You know, it's so you know, I interesting. I spent that you... last year in my yeah. house, practically alone, going through stuff. So, you know, my daughter helped and a friend helped uh, from time to time. But mostly, it was me in silence. Mm. Now, it's so interesting you mentioned really that. really important. Because a friend and I were talking exactly about that a while back, about how there is the power, there is the divine connection there is the universe that is giving you all these uh things coming your way and we sometimes project right saying i want the universe to give me this we project our desires i want this for myself i want this to turn out in this particular way and maybe we're just saying you know maybe it's that everything is there it's just that we've created so many barriers so much noise so many layers that are coming between who we really are and what is really there for us but we instead put all these other things of like, I want this, this manifestation, this positive uh, yes. visualization or whatever. You know, that's the strange thing, right? When we are, um, when, when we are constantly so distracted with trying to project what we want, we're unable to kind of stay silent and, you know, receive what is due to us. And, and actually, when I say due, I don't mean that as a sense of, oh, I deserve this. But each of us, what makes us unique is the fact that we have to live a life that is only what we can live, right? I, if I try to live your life, I'm going to be dissatisfied. If you try to live my life, you're going to be unhappy or dissatisfied. So I think it's, and I think that's the thing which I have a problem with the messaging is that there are a few examples of what a perfect life or a good life or a fulfilled life looks like. And everyone is seeming to run after that. And, and, and as a result, we have this crisis where everyone's unhappy. Everyone is anxious. Everyone is dissatisfied. Everyone is, uh, has no meaning in life or has no sense of purpose. And, but they still use the word, right? They use the words authentic. I found my purpose. I found my calling. But it's again, as you said, nothing wrong with these things. But we, when you just right. pursue the label without actually feeling what that, that experience uh, holds for you, but then we end with, and, and end up with this. And, and that's the thing I find, um, you know, even when you look at spirituality and philosophy and meditation and those practices, they, there's a reason, as you said, going sitting silent is, um, absolutely beautiful, right? Because you can actually be with yourself, which is the truest and the most peaceful feeling if you can get there. But in pursuit of all these things, we go for these. Um, and I'm sure you heard of this term called spiritual materialism, where we go from one uh, meditation program to the other. I know how to do box breathing. I know how to do, um, you know, I know how to do pranayam breathing. I know how to do this. And it becomes, again, the same race where you pick up more and more techniques, but you're not able right. to sit quietly. And I find that fascinating, you know? Um, no, no, that's absolutely true. I'm, I'm trying to think of who said um, that the main problem um, with people is that they're not able to sit quietly in a room. And right now, 
<clears throat> the the name of that philosopher from long time ago is is escaping me is escaping me yeah mm. yeah um because so, these things are so right. good all these things like you know whether oh, you meditate yeah well and and yeah so something else that you talked about like we have this this acquisitive and, and we've got to achieve and whatever and 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 that that our that our paths are different and i think that that's it's been shaped a lot by our culture mm. and so you know we need to be it's and it's been shaped around money okay how much money we have how much status we have shaped by our celebrity culture so so the things that we achieve and and who we are we're we we measure it it's our measures that we have we have defined these are mm. the measurements you know just like okay as you said i've 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 learned this kind of breathing now i have to do that now i have to do the other and i've i've climbed this mountain so now i need to climb a higher mountain and yeah. it's not about pushing ourselves to but you know if you love to climb mountains then go for the next one i mean that's that's great that's fa- fabulous you want to be a swimmer and you want to swim a little for i mean it's that's those are wonderful things i mean we wouldn't have achieved all the all the inventions and things if people weren't filled with their passion i mean that's another overused word <laughs> but but it's but it's almost like well what's what's your passion what if your passion is to be a really good plumber yeah. i i you know everybody's got to have a college degree everybody's got to be wealthy everybody's got to like be beautiful everybody's got to be you know um that's that's really what 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 has what has what has happened um and it, and it really wasn't again you know people say oh you just want to go back to the way you were brought up well yeah this was great because you know um i have people that you know have went to school with plumbers who probably have a better retirement account than i do you know yeah. i mean it's it's like what are we valuing? Um, there's value in, in, in all kinds of work. And we've, we, we don't look at that anymore because we, we just, you know, drive our kids that they've got to achieve and go to college and do this and do that. Well, um, and no wonder they're stressed out and, and suicide rates and everything else. So this is, this is a massive <laughs> problem. And yeah. I'm not sure like how we, Sometimes, you know, I, t- I talk to a friend of mine and, we, you know, we talk about the world and the problems and like it just seems so out of control. And, and, and what we've come to believe is that we have to be responsible for our own lives. And then we start in our communities with what we can affect in our communities. Maybe we can do small things in our communities to help. And, and that can create lots of, of satisfaction for us because otherwise it gets, it gets, really um uh disconcerting and 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 hard to live with but um i think we need all of that you know we need to go back to to the education systems need to be reformed so that we talk about other kinds of avenues for for fulfilling work um and you know doesn't all have to be at you know we can't all be celebrities and and i think they're 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 a huge problem yeah. Celebrities are, are a huge problem in our culture because we give them so much value and they have so much influence and none of them say the things that I'm, that I'm talking about. The, um, so I think they're, I, I really, I could, I could get off <laughs> for a while on, on, on the damage that our celebrity culture has done. And um, it's become and aspirational, think, right? Like almost, I want that life. I want that life of traveling. Right. And jet, you know you what? Know. And look at them. Look at them. I mean, you just read yesterday, you know, Robert De Niro's um, grandson, you know, um, commit, I think committed suicide or, 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 yeah, I think committed suicide. I mean, if you just look at them, you know, look at Robin Williams. I mean, just look at them. They're, they're, they're committing suicide in droves. They're not happy. How many times have they been married? Look at them, look at, look at their divorce rates. Um, so I don't know why we're so focused on them because if we take a real hard look, we'll see that so many of them are not happy and the ones that seem to be like okay and stable will look at them they're you know like tom hanks who's been married forever um so look at the ones that are happy and that are doing well they they have different they have different values yeah they seem to have drawn um you know from the industry what they want which is their 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 
love for acting or love for these projects and they don't just wildly go behind the dream of fame and celebrity but they take from it what they enjoy and they also balance that with what they want from life because they they kind of a semi detached from the role uh, quote unquote of actor and celebrity but also yeah and i think that's something i want um i find interesting because see you had all those roles going for you and the roles that you you studied for you worked for and you ended up with success in in those spaces right like if you look at it from uh, from an outsider's point of view you had it all you had a husband you had a happy marriage you had two kids you had a house you had a job and someone would be like wow i'd love for that right but i'm interested to know when when those roles were taken away from you and in some cases forcefully right you had to sell the house because there was no other option um and you had you lost your job you moved from brooklyn to savannah and your kids moved away from home of course that was by choice they went to study but what uh, what what i find is when many people are faced with that it just breaks them and yes of course you know i, I don't know uh, put words in your mouth saying that you weren't broken but i want to understand um how, how do you when when you have all that money and you have all that thing that comfort to go back to what 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 were you facing when you relocated with absolutely um no foundation or no sort of safety net when you moved from brooklyn to savannah what what was your thought process because uh you know someone like me sitting here right now i'm comfortable i have nothing to worry about but there's always this thought going where's the money going to come from when's the revenue going to come because i've taken a break from stand up after many years i don't really have a job i'm sitting at home but it's the most lovely place i've been in in many many years because i have a one year old baby i get to spend time with her i'm at home i record these conversations thank you and i i love having these conversations because it helps me um feel you know one is learn about myself but also understand someone else's point of view empathize with someone else's situation and i love it but still i'm reminded of that you know at the back of my mind you're not earning money you're not going behind that dream there are people who are already outpacing you when it comes to success and i try to avoid it and you mentioned this that uh sorry i'm combining a couple of points that we spoke about that's okay but you know sometimes when you have so much noise and you have so many of these messages running through your head i i was talking to my wife about this how sometimes when you wake up in the morning you have to put that much more effort whether it's through positive thinking or meditation just to feel like you're starting at neutral because so many times you're starting 10 or minus 10 minus 20 and you just feel like you have to make that much more of an effort just to feel good about yourself you know no i i i do and and so let me talk about first about this and and bring me back to another point um Yeah, absolutely. But I'll talk to uh, to you about um moving to Savannah. So, um you know, I did sell my house and I was able to to have, you know, make some money off the house and so that did give me a foundation to come here mm-hmm. and start over, okay? I I couldn't have survived on that in New York because New York was just too exorbitantly expensive. Yeah. So, so practically speaking, um unless I could get a high-powered job again and then basically get on that treadmill of basically going to work in order to pay the mortgage. You yeah. know, getting I mean literally that is the life that I would have been leaving. Go to, go to work in order to pay the mortgage, come home, sleep, get up, do it again. Okay. Um I I I I didn't want that treadmill even if I could find that that super job. Yeah. Um so coming to Savannah where you know the housing market was not incomparable I could I could live much more modestly here and I live much more modestly here. Um mm. so that allowed me the the financial foundation to start over. That's that's the first thing that yeah. that that I that I need to tell you. But but the other thing is that you know when I came here so but still I had to like give up, you know, I had a life in New York. I had built a life I'd gotten there um right after law school so even though I wasn't from New York I really kind of feel like a New Yorker and I'd been in New York most of my life and I built a mm. life there and I had you know my friends and and my support group and my church and and just you know my neighbors and 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 that was who I was you know I was a Brooklyn girl yeah. um and so so there was the the identification with all of that as well which was which was a really another thing that I that I that I didn't mention in terms of the labels and the roles and and everything else. Um so it was also giving up all of that and coming here but in the process of 
disassembling and all that, what I learned is that I was putting my, my, my faith, if you will, in, in all of those trappings in order to make me happy and understanding that that's not where it came from at all. And when I understood that, it was like everything just freed up. It was just like all of the, the ropes and the things that were holding me down um, and being heavy in my life. It was like they just lifted. I, I mean, I really felt this mental and physical lightness that I'd never felt in my life. I mean, I, I you know, I'd felt mo- little tiny moments of it, you know, in my meditation practices over the years. And it was yeah. like really cool when that happened. But in terms of a real sustained, like, whoa, this is really how it feels. And I feel good. And how is that? Because it's counterintuitive, right? How is it? that I'm feeling really happy because, you know, I'd gotten to the point where, you know, negativity. And I remember my ex saying, Oh, you're negative and whatever. I was like, like, I am an, I'm one of the most optimistic people I know. I I realized that and and discovered that when all this heavy stuff was, was off. So it's, it's counterintuitive to feel like, well, you know, the kids are gone and, and I, I, I mean, I mean, my gosh, I loved being a mom. I mean, I adore my children right. more than anything in the world. And I love my beautiful house. I love my friends, loved living in, in Brooklyn and, oh, just loved it all. And I'm, all that's gone. And I feel happy. I feel joy. I feel light. That's like counterintuitive. And, yeah. and I think that's another reason why we all hold on and keep trying to fix whatever we lose and get it back or, or get it better or whatever, because we can't sit with the pain. Okay. That's because initially there is this pain until you can let that pain kind of dissipate and dissolve and be with yourself and start thinking about these things. It will go away, but you've got to go through that fire. You've got to go through that hard suffering. So we don't want to do that. We don't, we're not, we're not, we're pain averse in the United States, Mm. a lot of us or most of us. So we don't want to, we don't want to go through that, which is why we just keep running like a hamster in a cage. Um, and, but so once all that happened, I was like, wow, I feel really free. I feel, I don't feel scared anymore. I don't have this fear of loss and. And what's going to happen to me? And how am I going to survive? And how am I going to go on? And, and it was, it was like the world just opened up. And so initially what I, I didn't have a plan. Okay. So I thought, well, I just, I can't see how I'm going to live in New York and I'm not going to take, you know, what I, what I've, what I've made from the house and just throw it all away in high rents. Yeah. But I don't know what I'm going to do. I really don't know what I'm going to do. And I thought, well, the one thing I don't want, because it was November, it was the end of October, November, is I just don't want to spend another winter in New York. It's so cold, the snow. I've just got to go somewhere. So I had been to Savannah a few times. Mm. Um, One of my daughters went to um, college in Atlanta. Mm. And I knew that it was warmer here. And I had been here before. It's a very walkable city. So it feels like a, you know, it's a small city, but it feels like a city. Yeah. Um, um, and I love to walk. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to go and see if I can get a rental for a few months. And just, you know, I needed to, to just physically recover. It was a, yeah. it was a, it was a tough ordeal. So I got rid of most of my stuff, but I had some stuff left. Um, and the, some of the kids stuff. And so I put it in storage and I, and I just came down here and I thought, you know, I just, I'm just going to rest. I need to physically rest. And again, just kind of be alone and think. And um, think about what I'm going to do. So, um, as I said, you know, I didn't have any contacts, didn't didn't know anyone, didn't, you know, have a job, nothing. And so after two months, I thought, well, I'm not going to go back. It's still cold in New York. And so the people I was running from... um, they had someone else coming in. They they helped me find a new rental. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I then I found another one and I was just like, 
oh my gosh, I feel really good here. <laughs> yeah. Why don't I just stay? You know, like what is what is preventing me from staying? By this point, I realized, you know, that I wanted to build a writing career. I had been writing for a while. Mm. And this was my dream. I mean, in terms of reclaiming my life, part of this process of disassembling, okay, allowed me to find all these things in my past um, where I had wanted to be a writer since I was a kid. And I was like, what? Has that really been what I've wanted to do? And how did I get off this path? Yeah. Well, yeah. if I stay in if I stay in Savannah, you know, I can afford to try and 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 do that and and do what what I what I have found that I love. So I just I wound up I wound just wound up staying. It just it just happened and it felt so natural because I didn't feel scared anymore. I really didn't feel scared. Because I'm like, well, you know, um we can t- talk in a minute if we have time because there were a lot more worse things to come. <laughs> But which I think going through this whole process uh, prepared me for because it allowed me to understand that this this euphoric feeling that I was feeling too that does that wasn't necessarily going to just last and yeah. I was going to go off into the sunset as I got older and there were other things that that came up in my life um, and it was a good foundation for like when those things did happen for saying oh see don't forget. But you've learned you've learned the skills to be able to get through it and understand it. And that's a beautiful message, right? I mean, I think it's it's great that you had that feeling of lightness, but there's this other side of the story going, you know, once someone like you goes through that and everything else is, as you said, you know, it's all just, you know, sunshine and rainbows, you know, just like, wow, but it's not. Life isn't that simple. It's not that black and white, right? You will have these but it's the way you approach life that gives you the strength to deal with change to deal, deal with the ups and downs to deal with the fluctuating emotions and i think that is so important for you to mention thanks for doing that because otherwise everyone thinks oh once you have an ordeal like that then you just come out of the other side strong and you can take life by the horns and you know these typical uh self-help kind of messages but it's not need not exactly. necessarily yeah it's not always positive but you're able to deal with the negative in a much more balanced way yeah, I mean, I think that's that's it because we just feel like it's just it's all like it's all solved now, right? It's mm. all we've solved it all, and we figured out how to solve it, and and that's it. No, it is it is it is the way life is, and so it becomes about accepting that that's the way life is, and that you're not going to get knocked off, you know, your roller coaster. You're you're just you're just not because because you understand it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you understand what it is. Um, and if you understand it, then you can sort of ride the waves and know that, you know, you have the, the ability to cope to get through the other side. Mm. So, I mean, that's just, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, you don't cry about it and get upset about it. And, you know, you're always like, rah, rah, you know, um, not at all. Not at all. It's it's normal. It's normal to cry and be upset and, you know, be sad. And these are all normal things. You know, my mom died. You know, that was one one of the things that happened, you know, after I came here three years later, my mom died. And that was Sorry a huge loss for me. And it wasn't it wasn't any less of a loss because of the things that I've learned. Mm. It's just that I was able to. I was able to cope with it and understand it and um and and even feel sweet you know uh about it now in terms of having this you know relationship with her that can still exist in another kind of I still talk to her you know I still saved all her messages on my machine you know and and it doesn't cause me sadness anymore because I understand that that is that's the nature of life it doesn't make me love her any less mm. That I mean, it's so, I, I can't imagine what you must think, but it's so amazing that you can feel that way. And and I think that's the thing, right? That 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 sudden loss of everything that you knew and you had prepared for has given you a new way of, you know, kind of dealing with whatever comes your way and saying, you know what, I will appreciate it for what it is. And it's not easy. Uh, and as you rightly pointed, not, uh, and not no one, and none of us want to go through that period of suffering and pain after something like this happens because we want to stick to the old patterns we're like you know what 
uh, you know, I got divorced. I'm going to find someone else. I lost my job. I'm going to find a better job. Right. And I want to ask you how you did that because isn't there this, wasn't there this time or does it still, is there like a recurring thought sometimes when you're like, you know what, I'm going to find that person. I'm going to resettle. I'm going to settle down. I'm going to get, you know, going to find. Oh, I, you know, I still have these, you know, and I, and I, you know, I haven't dated a lot because mm-hmm. there doesn't seem to be a lot of people out there to date. Um, you know, but I have and, um, I would like to, but but my my happiness doesn't hinge on it. Right. That's that's really the key. Yes, I would love to have a partner, and I'd love for someone else to have answered the door and and deal with the AC <laughs> while I'm trying to talk to you. You know, a minute ago, um, and and I think you know having having another hand. You know, I was I was sick last week, and I still had to go get groceries. Um, mm. Absolutely, there's there's beautiful value in relationships. I mean, I you know despite what happened with me and my ex. So yes, yes, but my happiness doesn't hinge on it. And if my happiness hinged on it, well, then I might as well just call it, call it a day because, because where's the hope in that? Where's the hope in that if, if your happiness hinges on it? And, you know, one thing I want to just mention really quickly um, uh, about um, the suffering, because it's just something I th- I thought of, and that is with you know with with the things that I went through with my mother passing away, um, with some health problems um, that I've had in the last few years that are that are pretty awful. <laughs> um, oh, is sorry. that okay. I have it has it has allowed me. Um, you know, you, you tend to focus on me, 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 <laughs> you know, everything we've ta- been talking about is really me centric, me focused, all of the attachments and unhappiness. It's really being centered on me. And it's very hard for us not to focus on ourselves. You yeah. know, I mean, that's just, we're, if, if there's anything that we grasp onto tighter than anything else, it's ourselves. I right. mean, that's just, that's natural. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, but going through the suffering um, has allowed me to connect with other people. I mean, it's been a beautiful thing because I have people write to me all the time about the kinds of things that they went through with their divorce and mm. um, um, contemplating suicide. Cause I've, I've written about that and people have said, your article helped me. And, um, and then the, the health problems I've had, I wrote an article about it. And, and so people connect with me and I know that, I'm helping other people in the world through sharing my story. And I'm also able to understand when I've gone through things that I hadn't gone through before. And then I see other people, I'm able to understand what, what they have gone through and what they are continuing to go through. And so therefore my heart is able to open up. And I think that's, that's part of the problem with, with all of this suffering is that it can it can just open up our hearts and for me i think that's the most important thing is that we use it not to not to go further inward in terms of shutting ourselves down mm. shutting our emotions down um because it it can really just kind of feel all consuming like it's just going to consume us um and that's natural but to allow it to open our hearts can also then per start to provide a purpose in your own life. And so all of this with, with the writing I've done with my book and the other writing that I do has given me um, another purpose in life. You know, when I, when I came here, I was also on the homeless board here in Savannah. Mm. You know, I was never truly homeless, but in a way I felt, you know, uh, I'd lost lost my house. So I wanted to get on the homeless board and help and help, you know, uh, get some affordable housing for the veterans here in the community. So all of this really was a pathway to opening up my life um, because I allowed it to. That's really, really um, quite remarkable to hear. I want to ask you one thing, uh, Beverly, before we wind up. So after what you've been through with what we've spoken about, has that changed how you view and value relationships, whether it's a friend, whether it's someone in the family, it's some, whether it's someone you look for in a partner? Um, how do you view relationships? Um, 
Hmm. Well, I don't, I don't think that I value them, that I had not valued them before. Sorry, so let me rephrase that. Uh, what, what do you yeah. look for or what do you expect in a relationship when you're meeting oh, someone? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I can answer that way. So, I mean, I, I, I tend to, I've always really valued my relationships and my friendships and probably to a fault because I've had my kids say to me sometimes, why are you still friends with that person? They don't treat you well. And I'm like, I didn't even see it because right. I'm trying to look for the good in people. I, t- mm. I tend to try and look for the good in people and give people like one more chance than maybe I should to my detriment. But that's just that's just me being positive and optimistic. Um, but I, what I do look for in a relationship more probably than, than, than at other times, cause I'm really sensitive. And that is, I, I want my relationships and the people that I'm, that I'm, you know, whether it's friendships or whatever, I, I need trust. Mm-hmm. Trust has been a really, really hard thing because when trust is broken, I mean, betrayal is one of the worst things, you know, it's, it's in Don, Dante put it in the ninth circle of hell because right. betrayal really is bad. And it can, it, it's not only about losing the trust in the person who betrayed you, but you start looking at everybody different and saying, can I trust you? And I had friends that turned out not to be trustworthy. So I really, I really need trust in my relationships. And, um, that's a hard thing for me sometimes to deal with, to, to, to want to be optimistic and trust and then really be, be intuitive about, trusting myself when I see something and saying, you know what, I'm not making this up. This is, there there have been a few things that have happened here and this person really doesn't, doesn't ring true. It doesn't ring true. Mm. Um, And so I will maybe not put as much effort into that relationship because it's, it's not good. Yeah. No, I, I, I I wanted to find that, uh, find out about what you, how you viewed that because it's something that is so fundamental, which you're unwilling to see. And in many ways, you're blind to because you don't want yeah. that to come to your attention because it's, it's it's convenient, right? And these patterns, I think, are amplified in all aspects of our lives, right? We just continue trying to want the same thing and not looking at people for what they are, but trying to see them for what we want them to be. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And, you know, frankly, it's thank you so much for sharing um, everything that you have today. And it's a remarkable story. And and as you pointed out, it's not all just, you know, right into the sunset after you go through these things, but it's about able to being able to face life on a much more, um, I think I wouldn't say solid ground, but with much more uh, the ability to adapt, which I think you you highlight and you kind of personify beautifully. So thank you. Thank you. It was great. Thank you, Beverly. And your book, of course, is Disassembly. Dis- I'm having a tough I, time I, can with I, Can I hold it up? <laughs> yeah, please do. Disassembly. I think it's required. a very, I think it's a very cool cover because it's got like a an architectural drawing of a house. It's not my house, but anyway, disassembly required. Lovely. I'm having a tough word. With and I have, I have little yeah. gifts. So if anyone um, buys a copy and sends me a, an email on my website, I will send you a gift, even to India. Brilliant. I'm going to get uh, the link to the book in the description. And of course, go ahead and check out Beverly's book, Disassembly Required. I got Disassembly right for the first time today. So I'm glad. (laughs) So I really appreciate it. And good luck with everything going forward. Thanks, Beverly. Thank you. And good luck with your newborn. Thank you very much. Yeah, she's she's amazing because... Yeah, she's now yeah starting to use words. She's walking around and I'm just like, where where have you gone? Where have you gone? It's over. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, but it's fun. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.